Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I always want to say good morning, but the truth is, is some of y'all don't listen to this in the morning. For some of y'all, this is nighttime, afternoon time. You staying up way too late time listening to this podcast. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the mind of a successful salesman. Before you click away and say, I can't stay in sales. I'll never be in sales. These are things that you develop over time that actually help you in life. So I'm going to talk about a couple of the principles that really helped me in my time as sales. Um, when I started in sales, I wasn't the best, but I grew um, a lot of it because of my brother's example, but I grew and got better and better and became one of the best in the industry that I was in. Um, the last two years that I worked at the sales company, um, I was a manager and I uh, interviewed people and would hire people. And um, that was part of my job. And we would go through this interview process And um, I would always say the same thing. I said, hey, if you um, are one of the people that we bring on board, if you qualify to be on the team, if you decide to join us as well, uh, we will, um, I'll ask you for a few things. And I go down this list of things that we need. And then I go over the things that I would do in return. Hey, I promise that in return, this is what you'll get from me as your leader. And one of those things was, I'll teach you to think like a successful salesman. You know, your mindset is such an important thing for life. Uh, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The way you perceive, um, the world says, hey, are you a glasses half full person or a glasses half empty person? In my teenage years, a lot of it because of the music I listened to, I was definitely a glasses half empty person. Um, I was always looking for what's the worst that could happen. Uh, rather than saying, hey, what's the best that could happen? Seeing the upside, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But these are some of the things, a few points, five or six things that I know will help you, whether you're in sales or not, whether you're going to be in business, but just an outlook. You choose, you choose by the way you think um, to set the course of how happy your life is. Everyone has circumstances that are tough. You know, I was um, listening to a gentleman speak the other day and he was a clinical psychologist and he was saying, he said, people envy other people and they look at their life and they're like, man, wouldn't it be amazing to be as wealthy as they are, to have the family life that they have. But if you go into that life, there's trouble. There's people who have amazing families, they're wealthy, they seem happy, but they've got a child who's got this disease or they've got a, a parent who has um, loses their memory and, and has Alzheimer's or they have, people have tough situations. So you're like picking and choosing. I wish I was as rich as them, but I wish I had the health that I have now. Um, so you people envy one part of their life, but then... you. They think, oh, because they've got it together in one part, that everything's awesome. Or they have a a brother that's an alcoholic, but they're like, you know, the person, they look at them and they're like, that person's got it made, right? They're wealthy. They live in a nice home. They've got a secure job. They seem happy. Then they got a brother that's an alcoholic or a son that's, you know, whatever, overdoses on drugs and is uh, whatever the case is. And so a lot of times we can look and look at other people and be envious. But today we're going to talk about some of the things that make up for the right way of thinking. The thing that always that always got to me is I would look at people um, in other countries. And I, I, I've been able to travel, you know, I was born in South Africa. Um, and you see people who are in abject poverty but are happy. People who have uh, very little, they live in um, a hut, but they're happy. They can dance, they're excited. And then you see people who are like, They've got it made, man. They've got everything, but they never have a smile on their face. And you think, man, is it worth it? Would you rather have a bunch of money and like not be happy? So I'm not here preaching a gospel of, or, or talking about, hey, it's good to be poor and happy. But 
It is good to be happy. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Part of being a Christian is being happy. It's, a, it's an earmark of the gospel to be full of joy. Well, life is difficult. Being a Christian is hard. Well, I, I'd, say the, I'd say the opposite. I'd say, well, I'd say being alive is hard, but I would say that being a Christian is easier than being a sinner. Man, you're, you have no defense against the curse. You have no joy. You have no peace on the inside. Being, you think being a Christian is hard. Being a sinner is hard. Being under the curse, right? Being under sin. There's nothing stopping the devil from attacking you, right? As an unbeliever. Um, so we're going to talk about some of those things, but all that preface for uh, all that lead up for this. But number one, uh, the mind of a successful salesman. Um, number one is the bright side. Always looking on the bright side. You know, they say there's a saying, the grass is green on the other side, and then they switched it. Someone else basically countered and said, the grass is green on the side that you water. You know, part of having a mindset of success, having a mindset that leads to um, a good mindset that leads to being happy, being content, is, is looking for the good. Uh, I, I remember hearing a study that they did about uh, IRS agents who, on their home life, and they found that IRS agents actually were usually affected negatively by their work at home because part of their work was scanning for mistakes. Their whole job, they sat at a desk, their whole job was to scan tax reports for mistakes. And so they got home and they had just been in a mindset of like scanning for mistakes. And so they get home and their wife does something wrong and their kids do something wrong. And and all they're doing is looking for mistakes where you can get in a mode, even if you're not an IRS agent, you can get in a mode of like looking for the negative. And that's why it's so important to, to choose to look for the positive. You know, I would go out and work and I'd come back and be like, man, uh, yeah, I, I didn't sell today, but I learned. There's a, a book called Either You Win or You Learn. And so it's never losing because you're learning. It's, it's taking a step towards growing. So always looking on the bright side. Um, stop scanning for the negative. Sometimes you have to allow yourself a little bit of room to breathe. That takes us to the second thing. Uh, number two is not perfection, but constant improvement. The moment you have a mindset of I have to be perfect is the moment you can't, you can't feel victory. Victory is meant to be felt. You're meant to be able to rejoice over the small things. I had a friend who said to me, Ryan, you know what I admire about you is, is you, you, have, you get a lot of enjoyment out of the small things in life. Your things are supposed to be celebrated. Like, man, God is good. I, when I pray, I actually thank God for my food. Lord, you feed me very well. I have awesome food. Man, I have homemade bread in my pantry right now. I made it at home, and, and I've got good organic crunchy peanut butter, and it's awesome. And, and if you want to know, I like both crunchy and creamy the same, right? And God's fed me well. I had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches today, and I love them. You know, even if I was making $10 million a year, I'd still eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I love it. And I get to have fried chicken every once in a while, and I love it, right? God feeds me while I woke up this morning, I had good craft coffee and half and half in there. God feeds me well. And so being grateful for little things, but looking at not being, not being, uh, maintaining. So that'd be, um, that's actually should be number three is gratefulness, but, um, not perfection, but constant improvement. The moment that you, you feel like you have to be perfect at something, the joy goes out of it because then there's no, there's nothing better than perfect. But if you're like, man, I'll never be perfect at this, but I'm going to get better and I'm going to get better. And so even uh, when it comes down to that, don't compete with others compete 
with yourself. You know, one of the things that happens is we admire people who are successful. So you look at someone and you admire them. I looked at my brother and I admired him. I'm like, man, he's awesome in sales. He did 300 sales his first year. If you know the end of the alarm industry, that's in four months, five months doing that many sales. That's a, that's amazing, right? There's probably only at that year, five people in the company that did that, right? Maybe less. He ended up being number one in the company. Um, but I admire him. But one of the things that ends up happening is you end up admiration. You start to mimic them and that's natural. You see someone who's successful, you see someone who's in shape and you admire them and you start to mimic them. And that can be a good thing. You can start saying, Hey, I want to be in shape like them. I want to be a a good preacher like them. I want to be a good student like them. I want to be smart like them. And you could admire them. But a lot of times my admiration can spiral down into harmful comparison where when they're still better than you, you know, six months goes by, why, do I, why don't I look like that person? Why am I not as attractive as that person? Why don't I have as many friends as that person? Why am I not as successful? And that's when it becomes something where you say, you know what, I'm not going to compare myself with somebody else. I'm going to compete with myself. I'm going to beat Ryan of yesterday. I'm going to be a little bit better than yesterday. I'm going to be a little bit better than last year. I'm going to be a little bit better than the year before and compete with yourself. And that's where you'll see improvement. Because if you're comparing with somebody else, you're always working from behind. You're like, hey, they're a 10 and I'm an eight and I'm trying to catch up. But if you're competing with yourself, you're like, hey, I'm me, but I'm trying to just get better than me. And I think it's the healthiest competition. If you're wanting to improve, compete with yourself. If you're doing push-ups, man, I did 40 push-ups yesterday. I'm going to do 42 today, right? So constant improvement, compete with yourself. Number three, do the difficult things first. This is one of the, the things that where people really begin to develop as a, as a salesman, but just as a leader, just as a person, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a dad, in, in no matter what line of work you're in, but doing the difficult things first, there was a sales phrase called eat the frog. Like if you have 10 things to do, you find the hardest one on the list and you do it first. If you, every morning, one of the things you have to do is eat a, a live frog every day you have to do it. Don't leave it till 10 o'clock at night and you've been dreading it all day. Wake up and do it first. When I wake up, I love running in the morning. I wake up this morning, I woke up at 5.50. I ran four miles with my friend Troy. If you're in the Brandon era and you want to join our Brandon running club, we're starting this club. There's really not going to be anything great about it except you get to run with people and we're going to talk about politics while we run. Um, But uh, ran four miles. And I do that first thing in the day because then I already feel like I've done the hardest thing and everything else is easier. So what's the hardest thing you have to do? Do it first. If you have to have a a tough conversation with a loved one, don't wait till seven o'clock at night and you've psyched yourself out. Like go do it first. That's why people who like, you know, they're like, I want to get disciplined and read the Bible and I want to pray. And then they leave it till 10 o'clock at night. And first of all, you're tired, right? But then you're like, it's just worn on you this whole day, this feeling of like, oh, I've got to get that done. I've got to, I hate that feeling. I've got to get that done. I've got to get, like, do it first. Um, The next thing, number four, don't wait for someone to tell you to do it. This is really the difference maker. This is the, this is where um, uh, I think the, the boys are separated from the men is becoming a self-motivated person. And you know, I don't know if that's actually a real thing, self-motivated, but where you allow the word of God to motivate you, you allow your why to motivate you, you allow whatever it is, but you don't have to wait on somebody that having a manager who has to tell you, Oh, what are you doing this week to improve? What, how are you getting better? You know, you really should do this. You should do this. It's okay to accept advice, But eventually you should be a person who doesn't run because they have to, who does it because they've decided to. Um, So don't wait for someone to tell you what to do.
or tell you to do it. And then number three, this kind of goes along with the first one, number, excuse me, number five, this goes along with the first one is learn to love it. I firmly believe that if you decide that you're going to love something, if you decide you're going to do it, you can learn to love it. I've spoken to people, especially our culture, our generation has this idea of like, man, I have to love what I do. But I say this, don't do, don't do what you love. Do something that matters and learn to love it. Do something that has value for other people. Who is what you're going to do affecting is it helping somebody else? And then learn to love it. For me, at running, I talk about this fairly often, but running, I didn't enjoy it. But I, I met someone who did, and I said, if they can learn to love it, I can learn to love it. And now I enjoy it. Like, I'm really looking forward. Friday, I'm running seven or eight miles, right? So waking up, and, and, I, and I love it. Why? Because uh, it's a discipline. It puts my body in check. It lets my body know who's boss. It means I can eat good bread when I get home. Um, it also is leading to good results. It's uh, helping my um, me stay healthier. Good endorphins are released. I, I love the feeling of running after I'm done running where I sweat for the next 30 minutes. Like I love that feeling. There's nothing like it. It gets the wiggles out like on Nacho Libre. They're just niños trying to get the wiggles. Anyway, um, so uh, learning to love it. Whatever you do, no matter how difficult, if you just change and say, I'm going to learn to love this, there's someone that loves this job. It doesn't matter what it is. I've done janitorial before. Learn to love it, right? Um, medical field. I'm not, I'm not, these aren't things I've done, right? Janitorial is, but I haven't been in the medical field. Um, learn to love it. Whatever it is, learn, learn, decide that, you, hey, if it's out here, this, this is something that I can learn to love. Um, and then number uh, six is count the cost. You know, one of the, um, um, the one of the things that really affected me early on in my sales career was doing things because I had to. And it's ingrained into us. You have to go get a job. And it comes out of our childhood. You have to go to school. I don't want to go to school. You got to go to school. I don't want to go to church. You got to go to church. I don't want to go to college. You got to go to college. Hopefully by your time you're 21, you're not like, I don't want to get a job. But that's the feeling is like we work out of necessity because I have to pay the bills. But choosing, again, learning to love it, but counting the cost really so it's not done out of compulsion. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to do to move ahead in life? Not what do you have to do, but what are you willing to do? Are you, if you're going to be there, be someone who does it willingly. There's really a big difference between someone who's going to school, who's like come from another country, who's so grateful for the opportunity just to be studying, and then someone else who's like, my parents made me go to this school. And you'll see them where people get so much more enjoyment because they're like, man, people, there's people in, this, in the Bible school here, River University, who have paid the price, come from another country, come from a different area, given up a lot, and are here because they want to answer the call of God. And then others who are like, yeah, I grew up in this church. I guess I just have to be here. It's what everyone does. Man, appreciate what you have. Count the cost. So it's not out of compulsion. This is actually, I do this because I want to. I do this podcast because I want to. I want to. I want to see you impacted. I want to hear from people. Man, your podcast really blesses me. I had someone text me the other day and say, or on Instagram said, hey, the stuff on the discipline stuff is changing my life. Thank you. And then the people in the dating, this has been super helpful. Hey, I had this thing going on in my relationship and, and your podcast really helped me through a tough time. I want to do this. This is what I want to do you know, get past the compulsion. And then number, number, I think we're at number seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, number seven, expect it to be difficult. Uh, Pastor Rodney always says this, but he says, if you expect life to be easy, it'll be hard. If you expect it to be hard, it'll be easy. 
Well, not that it's actually ever easy, but it's easier if you expect it to be difficult. If someone says, hey, come on, come out, we're going to chill for the day, and then you get there, and they're like, oh, we're not chilling, we're actually going to help my friend move, we're going to be carrying these things upstairs, you're going to be like, I, I was in a mode to chill, right? But if you're in a life mode to chill, you, life is going to be difficult. If all you're looking for is like couch time, couch and remote time, life is going to be difficult. If you say, man, I'm willing and it goes back to the one before it. I'm willing for life to be difficult because I want it to have meaning. I heard someone, a psychologist say, the same psychologist I listened to, Jordan Peterson, he said, the, the, the more responsibility you have, the more meaningful your life will be. The more you accept responsibility, difficult responsibility. Responsibility is apparent. Hey, how your children turn out, that's, that's up to you. If your children turn out to be terrible people, it is your fault. The more responsibility you, if you turned out to be a terrible person, it was your parents' fault. I don't think you're terrible people. How many terrible people do we have listening to this podcast? Can you raise your hand? I'm kidding. Um, but, but accepting responsibility. If you expect it to be easy, it's going to be difficult. But you expect there to be challenges. The Bible never promised no challenges. It says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There are going to come challenges. There will be many. But you will win every one of them. <laughs>